Daniel. Simon. I, I, I think we need to we need to address something that, that happened very very sadly off camera. Oh, I I'm getting a little bit triggered. It's a it's a it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Of course, everything on this podcast happens off camera because it is in fact a podcast. Yeah, by virtue but, of the medium, you're you're quite right. But we recorded an entire episode. We did. It was about an hour and 15 minutes of absolute gold. It was really it was glorious. Really fun. We we had we had a great chat. The the banter was I mean just top shelf, you know? It was really great. We had a we had a fan fiction. We had a fan fiction we did. Down we, that we, we read out. It, it, and was it was amazing. I did the wrong accent and you made me stick with it for the entire time. Yeah. All the clones sounded like southern bells. Yeah. And well, how how about we Fergus, I think I think the people need to hear what happened to that episode. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This moment we're talk- we're talking about Polaroid Operation. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's got to be a pretty big article. It's huge. It's absolutely enormous. Um, okay, but it looks pretty interesting. So the, so the cell of camera that we're probably most familiar with um, um, have been. Somewhere between 1972 to sort of the, the late 1980s, kicking off, of course, with the Polaroid SX70 and camera model 2. Um, so, Dan, you're recording something went a bit peak tong. Yeah. And. It's unusable. Yeah, so basically, for again, a little bit of the podcast hasn't started yet, so we thought, you know, we'd we just take this time to to explain what happened with the previous episode, and then also maybe give you a little bit of information of, you know, how the sausage is made that that glorious uh, sausage that is the Wikicast podcast. Until I started my law conversion, uh, which was January of last year, um, I had a very old MacBook Pro mm-hmm. that had served me very well. Uh, but it was it was sort of failing miserably, and it, it has since been replaced with something I use exclusively for for my sort of law work and university and various other things. And I completely wiped the old laptop, reinstalled a fresh operating system, and I used that exclusively to record the podcasts and sometimes as a sort of second monitor if I'm looking at multiple things. And for reasons unknown, the audio file just completely went just berserk. And you fought tooth and nail to to try and fix it and nothing worked. I managed to I managed to extract the raw garageband file and move it onto the my my other laptop to see if it was just a sort of output error. Um I was wondering whether because it's been saved under a certain OS that if something has happened to that file if I kept the raw file and not the sort of WAV kept it in the cloud and then reinstalled another operating system on the laptop, whether that would work, nothing. I, I mean, well, listeners would have heard what's happening and it, it's just, everything's gone awfully choppy and it's bizarre. And most importantly, it's incredibly frustrating because it rendered the entire recording session completely useless. I mean, it's always lovely to catch up um, with you, Simon. Of course, but, yeah. But yeah, it's safe to say that I was pretty pissed off. So all going well, this episode that you're about to hear should be absolutely fine because I am using the work laptop um, and that's causing me slight stress because I don't like mixing the two. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of sort of fiddling around with files, I think, but 
all going well, we should be fine. But let's have just a moment of silence, shall we, for the episode that that, that never was, mm. that never quite left the nest. And I think really the moment of silence is this is the full decommissioning of the old 2014 MacBook Pro. F. The one that I think you can probably recall would sort of try and take off every time you try to turn it off. <laughs> Oh, there it goes. It's on the ceiling now. Uh, oh, yeah, that's uh, and what was it trying to do? Open an email. Lovely, great. <laughs> that's wonderful. Rest in peace, MacBook. F's in chat. F's in the chat. Anyway, hello, I'm Simon and I'm Dan, and this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon. We're talking about Plateau Fence Lizard. Ooh. A Chinese fireball. Chinese fireball. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Something's never changed. Hive mind. We love to see it. Yeah, the Plateau Fence Lizard. Wow. Yeah. I mean, tell me more. Like, obviously it's an animal. Oh, well, I am assuming that this is an animal, not like a variant of car or it something. It is an animal. Would you like to hazard a guess at what kind of an animal it is? Bird. You're so close. You're really close. Um. Take a few of those letters, rearrange them, take some of them away and introduce some other letters. Bright. And arrange those letters in the word lizard. And you might find the oh. answer. Oh, so it was staring me in the face this whole time, <laughs> unblinkingly. Up in the corner of the room. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Sorry, no. Lizards lizards have eye um, eyelids. I remember this because um, that's the difference between snakes and lizards. If you want to tell the difference, if, if you're in a room that's full of like long, noodly-like reptilian type things, mm-hmm. the ones that blink are the lizards and no- normally harmless. And the snakes don't have eyelids. Can I point out another... Another clip might give it away. If the thing you're looking at has legs. Yeah, but some lizards are legless lizards. Some lizards are legless lizards. Yeah, that's the thing. Are we playing tongue twister games? When they shot Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, so the, the famous scene with all the snakes and stuff, right. most of them were legless lizards and so were completely harmless, but some of them were snakes and actually dangerous. And so apparently what they used to do was wait and see if one of these things would blink or not. And if it, if, if it blinks, they knew it'd be safe to go over and pick it up. But legless lizards are absolutely a thing. People who believe in legless lizards, do they not believe in snakes? <laughs> is this what's happening it's like mermaids and dugongs or... it's like how some people believe in snails and some people believes in snails that don't have houses you know slugs aren't a thing how many uh the the, the family is pigopodidae P- pigopodidae um are known as legless lizards snake lizards or flap-footed lizards um and they're a type of gecko there are 35 species in two subfamilies and eight genera. I see. Gosh. And they they look like snakes, but yeah, they are leg, legless lizards. Absolutely a thing. Herpetology talk today, Dad. Next time I go out drinking and I, I get legless, I'm going to say I'm getting legless <laughs> like a lizard. <laughs> and then use that as a, as a segue into what I can guarantee will be thrilling conversation. The plateau fence lizard has legs. It does, Dan, and he, you are a professional. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me well, more. The plateau fence lizard, um, or as you might more commonly know it as 
Scaloporus tristicus, tri, tristicus, Scaloporus tristicus. Oh my God, of course, yes. You're a wizard, Harry. It's a species of spiny <laughs> lizard in the family Phrynosomatidae. Sure, yep. They're about, it's <laughs> great, 80 millimetres from snout to vent, which is... Oh, I love that. Incidentally, when the doctor measures me for my annual checkup is exactly what he says. <laughs> I can see you're still 80 millimetres from snout to vent. Well done. It's <laughs> very good. I mean, should he, that should he isn't then the whole length of the lizard, right? Because the vent is the, is the, is the butthole, right? I imagine. Do lizards have buttholes? Well, I think they have cloacas, technically. I'm Knuckles the Echidna. <laughs> I have a cloaca. Dr. Eggman has stolen the master animal. <laughs> I was watching some Game Grumps compilations the other day. That's so funny. Game Grumps is one of these things that every now and again I just dip back into and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like, it's like comfort food. Mm. It's, it's so, it's so... <laughs> Like I've I've watched barely any of their normal videos. I exclusively consume their content in the form of compilations. So there's no context for any of the stuff that I, I watch. Which is the best way, I think, to consume it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose you must be right. It says, so, yeah, at up to 80 millimetres, 3.1 inches from snout to vent, the plateau fence lizard is a greyish, brownish or greenish lizard. <laughs> the upper side of its body has... Keeled scales. Ooh, keeled scales. There is a series of narrow dark brown cross... There are a series, probably would be better, of narrow dark brown cross bands on both sides of the midline. An elongated metallic blue patch can be found on each side of the belly and each side of the throat. Oh, that's fun. Males are typically smaller than females, with males and females in Montezuma County measuring 6.3 millimetres and 6.7 millimetres, respectively. Wow. Right. I see. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the, the blue, give them the old razzle-dazzle. That sounds like a... a Absolutely, yeah. A, that's, a, that's a custom decal. They had to grind for that. Yeah. They, had to, they had to go questing for like a million grubs <laughs> and, then, and take them back to the, the merchant in the village. A custom skin. Yeah. I've never heard of these things. No, no e Fence lizards. Why are they called fence lizards? The plateau fence lizard is generally found in central Arizona, southwestern Utah, western Colorado, and the San Luis Valley. It can also be found in parts of New Mexico and Wyoming. They typically dwell in rocky and wooded areas, making use of canyon walls, boulder-strewn hillsides, fallen tree trunks and other debris and vantage points. Perhaps that's why fence yeah, you'd think they would have put fence in that list. Yeah. I don't want to backseat write this article, yeah. but I feel like that would have been quite an important thing to put in there. We have two sentences in ecology. Okay. And they read thus. The plateau fence lizard is inactive during cold periods and the hottest part of the day in summer. Full stop. Okay. The lizard consumes mainly insects, spiders and other arthropods. That's it. Oh, wow. What a it, is a, it is a shockingly short article must be said yeah i mean you'd think there'd be more to say about it <laughs> to be honest so much so that i've read i've read the entire article that's it that's literally everything aside from the references but i think we can skim over those oh this is interesting god this must be a fairly late in the day page because having looked at the references of which there are four every single one was retrieved 
between the 11th and 13th of July 2021, which probably makes this article a lockdown article. Yeah, somebody had to do something during lockdown. Yeah. Ah, I, oh, that's an interesting bit of history. I, I wonder if the number of Wikipedia articles boomed during the pandemic because people just had nothing better to do than to to write and edit Wikipedia. That'd be a fascinating graph to look at, actually, like the, the number of pages created or the number of edits per day. So there was a lot of activity between the 11th and 13th of July by Basoika. Right. Uh, and then it hasn't really been touched until the tail end of 2021 and then February and March 2022. And bo- and those are those are di- those sort of edits are fairly minor. So it's sort of yeah, it's uh you know a big burst of activity and then just little bits of bookkeeping here and then I, I guess. Interesting. I was looking up by the way the keeled scales you think um, uh, that, that you mentioned are scales that rather than being totally smooth have a ridge down the centre that may or may not extend to the tip of the scale, making them rough to the touch. So most if, if people have touched snakes or lizards, um, they are. Uh, normally very smooth but there are certain species that are very very rough to the touch um so that's what that is they are keeled i don't know i suppose keel because the the a keel on a boat is the uh the the bit of a hull that is not round mm. you know it's it's a the line at the bottom as it were so i suppose yeah it's just it's a scale with a keel which is makes sense yeah i'll allow it checks out Ooh, hang on in some viperines so vipers endemic to Europe, Asia, and Africa, um, the lateral scales are not only keeled, but the keels have minute serrations. The snakes use this as a warning and a threat display. The body is arranged in a series of parallel C-shaped coils Mm. that they rub continuously to produce a sizzling sound, rather like water on a hot plate. This method of making sound is called stridulation. Wow. What a great word. Stridulation. Oh, and it's uh, oh right. So that's also what insects do. So um, you know, like like crickets and things, um, or uh, what they called the things that come out like uh, cicadas. Mm. Um, I believe. I'm, I'm. I hope I'm not talking up my ass. Uh, yeah, like crickets and things like that. Um, that's how they they make it, and and that comes from. Do you, I, I don't know how much Latin you you know, Dan, but do you know where that stridulation comes from? Stridulation. Um, no, I don't. So it comes from the word file or stridulitrum, because the two components of making the sound, you have one object that that is the scraper or plectrum Mm -hmm. that you move across a finely ridged surface, which is the file or stridulitrum. I see. There we go. That's a fun little... Knowledge. Oh, oh yeah. I'm just, I'm pulling this off the top of my head now. I definitely don't have a Wikipedia article open. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I mean, a little bit more of how the sausage is made. Simon and I actually don't ever look at Wikipedia. We have, a, we have a set amount of random <laughs> articles committed to memory. And then we, then it's all a facade about when we actually read it out. Yeah, We're like Mentats in June. Obviously. but And obviously uh, that means I already know how you are, Dan. I know that you're doing fantastically well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you are, you're, you're still the same distance from snout to, to, to vent. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> and my scales are reassuringly and suitably keeled, which is what we want to hear. And um, we, so we haven't actually... Well, we spoke obviously when we recorded the the Phantom episode mm. that no one's going to get to hear in full. Yeah. Uh, but quite a lot has happened since since we last spoke. I mean, I've um I've been all over the country. I've been down to Exeter to uh, sing for Stainer's Crucifixion, which went very very well. Yeah. Um, I've been to the University of Warwick. Some of the readers may have actually been there when I was um, speaking about Firmament at the book festival there. Um, I was also off in Bowlby 
in North, uh, actually, is it North Yorkshire? It's certainly in the northeast of England, uh, which is a mine that I visited wow. um, to film some videos. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was uh, on on the bus to my hotel, and I was re- listening to the previous episode, um, the one that uh, the last episode that actually was released um, to quality check it uh, on the bus, and I had this amazing view of um, now it wasn't Robin Hood Bay, but it was just along the coast from Robin Hood Bay, beautiful part of the world around um, Whitby. If you've ever been mm, up there, I've been to Whitby, famous for its jet and its castle that was the basis for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that was it, because mm. the, my hotel had quite a lot of Dracula stuff yeah. in it. Um, sort of, as a place, I don't know, do you want to be proud of the fact that you inspired a, <laughs> a horror of, location? Had lots of Dracula stuff in it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone here is very pale and has puncture wounds on their neck. It's really weird. Yeah. Whereas, um, yeah, like, a, you've, you've been a busy boy as well with all your legal stuff. Oh, it's been a, it's been a time. I was just saying before we started, I'm trying to figure out, was the Phantom episode recorded after... Or prior to Holy Week, all the singing? I think it was just at the tip of Holy Week, if I remember rightly. I think we recorded it on the Monday or something like that. The Monday before Good Friday? Yes, I think so. Right, yeah, that makes sense. So it's been a little while. It's been a time, I tell you. I am exhausted. (laughs) My term has resumed and I was really hoping to sort of be able to go back to the term feeling refreshed and, you know ready to to throw myself back into study and recharged and and all of those good things and if anything I feel more tired now than I have done at any point so far and it's it's just it's full on but interesting it's all very interesting something that uh, I made a change recently that has made a huge difference to how tired I feel and this is this hopefully is not going to be insultingly banal mm. um but um we up until this week had been sleeping in our winter duvet and I've really not been sleeping very well. I didn't really clock what it was. And we switched to our summer duvet a couple of days ago, and I've had amazing night's sleep every single night since. Really? And I feel like I was just too warm in bed because in my head it was still winter. So I don't know if you have a a winter duvet and a summer duvet or a two-part one. I think I do. I think I might have a sort of double tog thing. I'm sure that in one of the drawers under my bed there's... That's another duvet. I'll have a... I'll see if it's a lower tog, and if so, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change them over. Give it a go. Because it certainly made a big, big difference to me. Mm. Because, yeah, like I've been, the the past week was the first week that I had where I I wasn't going off all over the country and filming and having to do a million different jobs all at once. Like it was actually the first week where I could sort of calm down and rest up a bit. And so sleep's been a big, big part of that. Mm. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully that that will make a difference to you as well. I hope so. I hope so. It's just, it's slightly, I was looking at my timetable and things and, and it is slightly depressing to think that, you know, Everything is very, very busy at the moment, and I don't get a week off until the first week of July, I think. Good grief. It's a long time, and that, that that's a week <sighs> off after, I think it's two weeks, or a week of exams, two weeks of revision, and then all full term time, and it's crazy. It's crazy. It'll be worth it when it's done. Well, yeah, pain, that's... Pain is temporary, law lives forever. That's what I keep telling myself. Just, just, <laughs> you know... Nose to the grindstone, and all shall be well. It will be worth it. And this is this is hopefully you know people can um can email in to spongyelectricgmail.com with their uh, their own sort of stories. I imagine there are lots of people listening right now who are going through, uh, you know, exam seasons or coursework or um mm. you know any any number of things. And you know if you if that is you, 
send us in um, your, your story and how, how you're doing and know that you've got uh, both Dan and I's best wishes Absolutely. for all of your revision and all your studying because we've we've been through it, let's be honest. We've... Uh, I, I mean, I'm very glad that I don't have to do exams anymore. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, um, uh, I, I, I've... Oh God, what's the advice that we can give to people, Dan? We normally do this later on in response to an email, but what is the number one thing that you can advise people who are going into exam season now? What's a practical thing that will make the most difference? I think don't burn out. Yeah. Don't get so into the exam period that you suddenly think, right, this is it, hell for leather, here we go. Because you will burn mm. out and that will do more harm than good. So I think you've got to be, I mean, I say this, I I don't do this, or rather I'm very bad at doing it, but don't think, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll just have another late night finishing off whatever I want to finish and then I can catch up my sleep elsewhere. Routine is really, really important, especially, you know, exam technique routine is good, but making sure, you know, like waking up at the same time every day and trying to go to sleep at the same time every day will only help your, what is it? Circadian rhythm? Mm. Something like that? Yes, I um, think. I think that, yeah, I think that's really, really important. What about you? Do you have any advice, any hot takes? I think um, related to that one is ring fence time that is dedicated for not studying. And no matter what, don't breach that time. Yeah. So you have time that you are going to be using for explicitly not studying. Mm. And go to the gym, go for a run, play video games, paint Warhammer, play some music, whatever it is, just have time that is separate. And you're going to feel in that time like you are not being productive and that, that this, is, this isn't helping and I could be studying right now. But by not taking that time, you would reduce your overall productivity. And it, take it from me, it's absolutely, it, you know, it's not worth burning out. Even if you burn out the day after the exam, from a mental health perspective, it is not worth doing. So, yes, it's important to work hard, but also work hard within a set structure where you don't overstep the boundaries. Mm. And you, at the end of the day, I suppose, respect your body and your mind's health in, in one way or another. Absolutely. Um, and then the other thing which I always recommend if, you, if you're going into revision specifically um, is to use the space repetition technique um and what i would do is actually get a paper diary you could do this digitally of course but get a paper diary write down when you have revised something and make a note for in a month sorry uh the next day mm. to, to look at it again and then a week on from when you first did it have have a look at it and then a month on from when you first did it have a look at it and that depending on how the timings work for your exam, now is a pretty good time to do that. So it means that you revise it and then you look at it and look at it again. And then it's really, by the time you look at it a month later and revise it again, that is really in your head. Yeah. And so I, what, what I would do in my third year exams was, was have this paper diary. And by the end of the revision period, I'd open up um, the diary and I'd be able to look up, right, what am I doing today? I'm revising this thing that I did yesterday. I'm revising this thing I did a week ago and these four things that I did a month ago, whatever it was. Mm. Um, and then within that, you can also plan out what you need to do on a given day. You know, you separate out your curriculum into 40 chunks that are spread out over 40 days. So you have stuff that you've planned to do and stuff that you're also coming back to. And that was a technique that worked really, really well for me. So I'd highly recommend that. There you go. Killer advice. God. God, what's the, what, it's content, Dan. It is. We can't have actual content. It's sensible. It's the most alarming thing. We've got to stop this. We really do. I, I, I command that you put this to a stop and tell me instead about your choral piece of the week. 
this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. My choral piece of the week this week, Simon, I think I'm sort of... I'm sort of stuck with what I want to choose because there are a selection of pieces that I that I want to make my choral piece of the week because they are going to be performed mm-hmm. on Saturday the 7th of May. Okay. Is it the 7th of May? Yeah, Saturday the 7th of May in uh, Drew Stainton Church, which is a lovely, lovely little village uh, nestled on the edge of Dartmoor by the Chagford Singers. Oh, yes. Because we are approaching our summer concert, which is very exciting. Very exciting. It's a concert of two halves with an interval and refreshments and things. The first half will be the Vivaldi Gloria, which is very exciting. The whole whole piece? The whole thing. Wow. Um, And the... Which is great, actually, because it goes for about half an hour. Or probably not even that, you know. Um, Yeah, I think it's about that. It's pretty short. Um, and then the second great piece. Und- it's it's underrated as a whole piece. Like obviously everyone knows the first movement, but the whole of the Valley's Gloria is like it's a really nice, neat, tight half hour set. Yeah, it's an interesting piece to do as well because you can it can be very different depending on the sort of edition or version that you choose to perform because there are sort of four or five different Vivaldi Glorias, right? Um, with various different sort of additions and omissions and sort of changes um throughout we're doing the regular um the regular i forget which number it's known as but anyway it's the sort of re- the, the one that everyone goes oh the vivaldi gloria yes it's that one so we're doing that and then mm. in the second half we're doing music that spans you know as early as orlando gibbons through some madrigal stuff a little bit of bruckner um then some Sort of, we basically we sort of working through time. Lauridsen, Gielo, Rutter, Frank is in there as well. So it's I think it's a really sort of interesting varied program. So for those who want to come and hear the Val de Gloria because it's a bop, which it is of course, mm-hmm. they can they can hear that. But then I think too the the um it's going to be sort of music for a summer's evening and there's lots of sort of jolly things and and music that I I think will be new to lots of people, which is very exciting. So, I think. So, what your your choral piece of the week is the entire repertoire of your summer concert. Yeah. It's very hard to choose. I don't know if I don't know whether I can, and and more importantly, I don't know whether. So, the one that really stands out, the one that I absolutely adore, is the Silver Swan by Gibbons, and I don't know whether I've done that oh, before. Yeah, I I I think you might have done. Oh, see, this is this is it. Well, look. Let's let's tentatively say it's The Silver Swan by Orlando Gibbons. Sure. And if I have done that before, then, dear readers, please write in and tell me how useless I am. Um, and I will send you out a, a full track listing playlist of everything in the concert <laughs> that you can listen to. Um, and that will serve you right. They'll be fine. Or... Or if uh, you know, if you're in the southwest, what was that? What was that time and and date and location again? Dan? It's going to be in Drew Stainton Church in Devon at seven thirty uh, on Saturday, the seventh of May, and it's going to be very jolly and very good. And yeah, if you're around or if you're in that neck of the woods, you should absolutely come along because they're going to be marvellous. You can, for the first time in the history of this podcast, actually hear a choral piece of the week performed by 
one of the podcast hosts. Yeah. Is it all? Is it an all-male choir? Am I no, it's that? a mixed choir. I mean, so that's the thing. I mean, I won't be performing any of it. I won't be singing. I'll be I'll be waving my arms around. You'll be waving your arms. Director, yeah. But um, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really fun. I mean, they've put a lot of work in and I'm incredibly proud um, to to show everyone in the Southwest or the village of Drew Stainton <laughs> quite, how, quite how brilliant the concert's going to be. Fantastic. So in critics' corner, Dan. Mm. Now uh, we we just we just I'm just guiding you through the rooms. I've got my my arm in in the small of your back, and I'm just kind of gracefully escorting you around the the rooms of the podcast. Um, have you been Have you been listening to or watching or reading anything recently that's has been that's caught your proverbial eye? I have a bit. Yeah. Oh, do tell. And it's nothing. It's nothing particularly. Well, it's nothing new. I've just sort of been rewatching because I had a sort of urge. <laughs> Is this Friends again? No, 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 no. I've been going back through quite a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. So I watched all the Avengers films in order. As in the ones that have the, the, the broad cast? Yes. Right. And then watched Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1, Volume 2. What was that like in terms of dissonance? Because they are very different properties. They are different, aren't they? I think, well, 2 is definitely a better film than 1, in my opinion. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, similarly, with some some of the Avengers films really excel, others fall a little bit flat. What did you make of Age of Ultron now? You know, I think I enjoyed Age of Ultron more than the original Avengers film, but I think that's because I'm looking at it sort of, I'm looking back, you know, and 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 there's a lot of exposition in the first one, as you would expect. Yeah. Um. And and you know, and have, having having watched all of the others already, I didn't hate Age of Ultron. That makes that reminds me, Age of Ultron cast. Because I I ask because both the both Age of Ultron and the original Avengers have definitely it's not that they've aged poorly, but I think we've gotten used to the Russo brother directed ones, and they have a very specific, really quite bland directing style that's quite invisible and Joss Whedon is a lot more comic booky and, and he is a bit more in your face yeah and so I think looking back now it's almost like it's it's laughably cartoony in in some ways compared to what we've been used to so it's, it would be interesting like sort of ch- starting going back from the beginning of the Avengers films specifically mm. how they how they hold up I guess I think what the, the the one thing that made me enjoy Age of Ultron more is the time I most recently watched it, I suddenly realised why I recognised the voice of Ultron. It's James Spader, isn't it? Yeah, the voice of Robert California from the US office. Robert California? Hang on, I, no, I need to Google. Because I, I I, just, I knew that that, but that's just because I'd memorised, um, what's it called? You know, the cast list. The office, let's see, what does that look like? He, he, um, he sneaks in in the sort of seventh or eighth season, I think, and becomes the CEO um, and he's just, he's an amazing character. Oh, yeah. He's an amazing I wouldn't character. have got to him. Uh, I never made it that far into the office. I, it's great. I mean, he, he is, he's really good. Yeah, but I suddenly realised, I, I heard the voice and I kept thinking, I know this voice, I know this voice. And then I, you know, I looked it up and suddenly realised, oh yeah, it's, it's Robert California is the voice of Ultron, which is insane. It's a very cool villain. Yeah. Like, as, as, an, as a concept, Ultron is a fascinating character. But I mean... I, I, in a, I don't know, I definitely think 
that those films peaked with Infinity War and Endgame was fine. It was it was it was good. It was okay, but it but I think Infinity War was actually quite remarkable for what it achieved. Mm. Um in terms of as a film on its own two legs, but also drawing together all of these disparate threads, all of these different characters coming into one place. And like you can say what you like about the Marvel films being kind of bland superhero entertainment, sure. But I think from a writing perspective, Inf- Infinity War is actually quite remarkable. And, you know, it does have, have some emotional heft to it. I mean, just in case people haven't seen it, I won't say spoilers, but, you know, there are scenes that are really quite affecting. Mm. I'm just looking at I'm I'm looking at James Spader's filmography. Right. And it sort of lists lots of things and it eventually goes on to, you know, the office, um, voice voiced and performed motion capture of the titular character Ultron, blah blah. He has portrayed eccentric characters in films such as the drama Sex Lies and Videotape, nineteen eighty-nine, the action science fiction film Stargate, nineteen ninety-four. Oh, who is he in Stargate? I've seen Stargate. And then the controversial psychological thriller Crash. Oh, yeah, because that won Best Picture, and apparently everyone says it's awful. Yeah. Who is he in? He was he was Dan Jackson. What? That's it. So, so for context here, I loved watching Stargate SG One, mm-hmm. so the TV series of Stargate, which I believe was the longest running sci-fi series of all time. Because Star Trek is kind of split into multiple different series, whereas SG-1 went on forever. So I'm used to that cast. Um, and is and pretty much everybody is played by a different character. Wow. Oh, yeah, Kurt Russell's in it. Gosh, I forgot about that. Anyway. Um, and um, James Spader plays Dan Jackson. He's like kind of a dweeby archaeologist. The critical response of Stargate. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 53% based on 47 reviews and an average rating of 5.4 out of 10. The site's critics' consensus states, Stargate has splashy visuals and James Spader to recommend it, Mm. but corny characterisation and a clunky script make it a potential ho-hum. Well, under the I'm, I'm on the wiki as well, and it says, um, actor James Spader was intrigued by the script because he found it, quote, awful. (laughs) But after meeting director Roland Emmerich, got excited about it, for he, quote, realised that making this picture was going to be such an adventure that out of that would come an adventure on screen. (laughs) So what you're saying is this is so bad that just trying to make this good is going to be fun and you'll see me having fun, which is quite an advanced viewpoint, I suppose. I've never seen it. I've seen the film and it's very um, forgettable, to be completely honest. Um, But the the TV series is, is great. Really, really, really would recommend SG-1, though. I mean, I don't know. I'm still working my way through all of Star Trek. I don't know if I have the mental strength to finish all of Star Trek and then look at how many seasons of Stargate there are. How many seasons of SG-1 even are there? There are... Let's see. It ran for 10 years, and there are 214 episodes. Good grief. And two films. So I don't know if I have the strength to go through that. After what, after finishing Deep Space Nine, I've still got Voyager to go, and then I've got Enterprise, and then I might actually watch something else on Netflix. <laughs> actually, though, tell you what, Pixel Girl and I have got into this habit recently because we've been still on the, the house search um, because adult things, um, and um, we've really got into watching location, location, location with Kirsty and Phil. Hey, look, another there's another infinite universe thing here. Yeah. So we were talking about... Star- we're talking about Stargate because James Spader is in it. Yeah. And we're talking about James Spader because I- of how much I enjoyed watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. No, watching Marvel films and then also watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Who also was in Stargate? 
Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. It's all connected, It's Dan. all connected. Isn't that weird? But anyway, what I was saying was basically that um, I, I've, I've really fallen into this rabbit hole mm-hmm. of watching property programs and getting irrationally angry at the people. Like, there was a couple uh, we watched yesterday who were moving to somewhere, actually quite close to where Pixel Girl and I used to live in Hertfordshire. Um, and this, there was this a guy and, and an American woman that he'd married, and they were basically like, yeah, so we've got a corner sofa, and... Um, if we can't bring the corner sofa with us, it's uh, we, we're not gonna we're not gonna accept the house. And so they were going around all of these properties, and there's like a dream property they were looking at, and it was like measuring it out. Like, no, it's a no from me. Mm. Like, I know this is everything. You know, it's an incredibly crowded property market, and you've done really well to find us this house, but it's it's about two inches too small to get that that sofa in there. And it's like, what is wrong with you people? Mm. It's, it's so hard to find a house. That, that matches what you are looking for. The idea of, of holding it for something like that, or one that we watched a little while ago, was, for one thing, it was outrageous because the, the couple's budget was like £1.3 million. Pounds, mm. And they were looking for like a five-bed house in the southeast. And they um, this couple had looked at over 90 houses. They'd had no, over 90 viewings and didn't like any of them. And on the show, one of the reasons they, they rejected a house was because the garden was a li- was, wasn't quite level enough. It was just a little bit too much on a slant. And so that would ruin the kids playing football. And I, I, it, I, 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 I lost my mind a bit, Dan. I, I, I just, I, I didn't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get how these people function day to day. I wouldn't think about it too much. So it's a, it's a slippery slope. I mean, until we find a new place to live in, which fingers crossed won't be too much longer, because um, it's only so long it, we can we can keep looking for and not look at every single house in Bath. Um, you know, until that is over, I can just see that we will be watching these shows yeah. <laughs> and trying to enjoy their pain when they when they make an offer. Because th- that's the other thing is that certainly compared to the property market now, these shows are wildly unrealistic because they don't have the experience of oh, we're going to go and look at this house. And by the time you look at it, it's actually already gone. Mm. There have been eight offers already on this house. Or, you know, the, the couples were saying, and this was filmed a few years ago, it was like, yeah, it's really crowded at the moment. There are, you know, every time we look at a house, there's like 10 viewings. And for us, 10 viewings was way below the bottom end of the scale. Like we were looking at houses with 30 viewings over a weekend yeah. and there would be offers within the first day, you know. It's crazy, isn't and it? It's 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 insane how quickly the house market moves and how if you want to get a property now, you basically just have to offer several thousand pounds over the asking price mm-hmm. to stand a chance. Oh yeah. Oh sorry, that was a very I got very real there, Dan. I just had a bit of a bit of a rant, sorry. A rant. A rant. As you would say. We love a rant. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I've been uh, watching and sort of, I suppose, enjoying. Um, whereas you've been, you've, it's quite a thing to dive into all the Marvel films. That's quite a big time commitment. Yeah, well, it's just I've been doing it sort of on, well, I say on an evening. It's usually later than that. After I'm, I, I sort of I'll I'll get into bed shattered, and I'll just think, you know, I'll I'll stick it on. And because I've, because I've seen them before, if I sort of doze off, yeah, I can catch up on the rest of it tomorrow. I'm not that bothered. But it's just quite. It makes for quite sort of easy viewing. Um, and I'm quite looking forward to the new Doctor Strange film that's coming out this year. Um, With Sam Raimi, mm. yes. It's going to be very, very exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's that's the first thing that's penetrated through my shield of indifference to Marvel products. Like, I just have not, since since Endgame, I've just not cared. Yeah. 
I, I I might check out Moon Knight. I've heard very very good things about Moon Knight. Oh yeah, so have I. I don't know anything about it, but I, I have heard good things. It's it's Oscar Isaac acting against Oscar Isaac, and apparently he's really good in it. But that's the only thing mm. I know. Well, he's a good actor. He is. He's a very good actor um, and a good musician as well. Because I I still need to watch. Um, is it, it, it in inside Llewellyn Davis? What's that called? Is that it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The about the singer. Mm, it's really good. Yeah, and it's him and like Justin Timberlake. It's a kind of a weird Coen Brothers film. Yeah, um, I know. That, I know that our friend Hugo Wickman is a is a big fan. Yeah, Inside Llewellyn Davis. That's it. Um, yeah, I, I I need to check that out. Oh, there's so much stuff to watch, Dan. There's not enough time. You're doing law stuff. I'm trying to run a business here, and and you know, and promote books and and make videos and and you know, try not to go insane. And I just I just there's not enough time to watch things. Yeah. What I need is to clone myself, and we can have the one clone. We'll, we'll work in shifts. We'll do one one week of work and, and 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 you know one clone doing work and one clone just enjoying themselves, and then we'll swap. Like I think that's a fair way of yeah, doing it. I think so. Seems sensible. But then, depending depending on what the clones watch in their off time, their personalities are just going to diverge. Mm. You know what happens if one of them decides to watch a film about how actually clone murder is a really good idea. And the other, you know, the other one doesn't know about this, and they, you know, delete it from the watch history or something. And then, you know, suddenly, like, I mean, if you if you kill a clone of yourself, is that suicide or is it murder? I guess it's. I suppose it's still murder. I don't know. I'm going to ask Google. Yeah, We're both googling. If you kill <laughs> your clone, is it suicide? I feel like it should be murder. Yeah. I suppose it's like killing a twin. Yeah, the answer seemed to be murder. You're not killing yourself. You're killing your clone. Right. So basically, this is a high-risk, high-reward strategy because there's like a 99.9% chance that actually I would be able to enjoy myself much, much more and get more work done and like a 0.1% chance that I might get murdered or become a murderer. Mm. I wouldn't trust me. (laughs) I wouldn't work with me. This is a terrible idea now I think about it. It's the kind of thoughts, these sort of deep, deep thoughts that I have in the shower. You know, it's sort of like, what was the one I read the other day? Um, warm water tastes rounder in the mouth than cold water. Yes. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Round water is, warm water is is booba, cold water is kiki. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> would you, would you, would you clone yourself? Is that, is that a risk that you'd be willing to take? Or would you find yourself insufferable? I don't know. I mean, to, I guess, I suppose to what end? Would it be a comment, you know, like, could, would this become a regular thing that everybody was going to clone themselves because, and then, and then the clone would be sort of acting as a, I don't know, a, a sort of personal assistant. God, imagine that. Yeah, a world where everybody just overnight, everybody wakes up and there's a clone of them in bed next to them. What, what on earth would happen? That's a, there's a, there's a prompt, people. If any, if any readers want a prompt for some creative writing, there you go. There's a free one. I kind of want to know. Yeah. I'd... Well, if that, if that happened... And and both you and the clone were unaware that it was going to happen, and your clone had your memories up until that point. You would there would be no way of knowing who the original one was. Oh my god, you're right. Which would be terrifying because you could wake up and say like, "Why are you here?" And they say, "Well, no, why are you here?" I was like, "Don't be silly. I, you know, you weren't here yesterday." And they're like, "Yeah, no, you weren't here yesterday." Yeah, I went to bed less than on my own. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Oh, this is this is fun. Because if you had a clone of yourself, you know, suddenly, like all crimes, like 
having an alibi. There are some people who would definitely use that as like, sweet, now I've got an alibi for I couldn't have been possibly robbed that bank because look, I'm on security camera here at the cafe or, or whatever. You get people like me who would who would have one one clone would, ah, but then one clone, it's not like the information travels from one clone to the other. Mm. So I can't have one clone watch Star Trek and enjoy it and the other clone do work and then they swap. I'm like, yeah, eventually, I think that's the thing that's interesting to me is how how they would diverge and how quickly. Weird, isn't it? I like this a lot. It is interesting. You know what else is interesting, Dan? Though, why people support us on Patreon? <laughs> wow, flawless. Top lad. Oh, I'm a bit weirded out by that clone thing. That's that's a writing prompt. Mm. Would you? F- your clone <laughs> no you gotta put in as much as you put you know my clone would <laughs> me though <laughs> <laughs> i like how you say that with absolute certainty yeah well i mean who wouldn't um top dog <laughs> so it's that time again when we find ourselves in patreon corner it's that moment in the podcast where we say an enormous thank you to those who support us on patreon and without those support we wouldn't exist simon and i would would physically stop existing um gone without without your generous donations every month we wouldn't be able to pay for our wonderful editor we wouldn't be able to pay for our hosting um and we wouldn't be able to put wonderful plans in the pipeline uh for when we're going to actually meet up and, and do some stuff in person for Spongy and Electric. Um, obviously, we haven't been able to do that for a while, what with the small global pandemic and things. But there are plans afoot. But we do have some dates. We have some dates on the calendar. We do yeah. indeed. We do indeed. And uh, if you do choose to support us on patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast, then basically you can just... We're not asking for very much. You can basically sub us the cost of a, a coke once a month if you like and that goes to our wonderful current yeah. editor fergus um and it also goes to yeah supporting all of these things so you can do that at like a coke per month or you can do it at a what's five dollars that's like a meal deal a month a large starbucks coffee a large Starbucks coffee or a Boots meal deal mm. a month. Um, and when doing that, you can choose to be either on Team Cat or Team Dog, depending on which you think is the superior household pet. I, of course, am correct in thinking that the cat is the superior household pet. Um, and so I would like to thank the people who have pledged at the top cat level. Those people are Jean-Claude Marais, Andy Hartley, Nathan Flaherty, Abu El Ella, The Physics Boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy CC, Nafi Iftikhar, Dame Valerie III, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Jenis Humphreys, Rents Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Easy, Omar Miranda, Colm Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Choco Cat, Ben Dent, Isabel Ostrowski, Lewis Watson, Matt McGuire, and the one and only Dan Hanvey. And I would like to say an enormous thank you to the top dogs, the clear supreme pet of choice. So an enormous thank you to Jay Wright, Ben McMurtry, Peter Reed, Codzo, Colin J. Brown, Alistair Fortune, Eve Sharples, Lexi at Front Desk, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Henry VII, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Naf Laroch, Andrian with an N, Chan, Ben Caples, Josh Shiaga, Martin Narciso, Christian from the Alps, Amy Bonney, Lexi at Front Desk's boss, and Karl Valrod, which I think may be a new top dog. Sounds like it. I'd remember that name. Which is incredibly exciting. Welcome to the fold, Carl. 
up, lad? And we find ourselves in Corin's Pondence Corner. And we have a couple of emails here. First of all, from Lewis, titled Netflix Comfort Viewing. Dear Sir Clark and Dame Moore, it's your favourite confused teen again with a Netflix recommendation. As a Formula One hardcore and anorak, it is to me what choral music and games workshop is to you two, I'm with you, I thoroughly always drive... Sorry, what? I thoroughly always enjoy drive to... S- I thoroughly always enjoy Drive, there's a typo, Mm. enjoy Drive to Survive on Netflix, which, by the way, has created a 400% increase in ticket sales to F1 events in the US. Wow. Wow! I've actually, you know what, I've heard a lot about Drive. F1 is very, very big on campus at Exeter. Is it? I didn't know that. It is. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I've got a friend who absolutely lives and breathes it. And I've heard that Drive is amazing. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Because my parents are really into it. I mean, my parents are the kind of people that are just into sport, full stop. Mm. Like any kind of sport, they will delight in following. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, there'll be some big event. With the exception of, I think, golf. Golf, they don't really follow. But like everything else, they will have an opinion on and will have followed it. Yeah. And F1 is definitely one that they really enjoy watching. I, 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 I could have to give it a go. Yeah. Because like, I see the appeal. Shall, shall we aim to watch at least one episode of Drive before we do the next podcast? Tell you what, you're on. I will I will enjoy an episode of Drive to Survive. Yeah, and if it's any good, I may watch more. And uh, Lewis also continues, However, if you are to watch, they do have a large issue with creating drama out of nothing. Uh, don't worry, we've met Sopranos before. However, it is a very good series and a good insight to Formula One. I really do recommend it. Thanks, Lewis Bassendale. This time, stuck in a naan bread. What? <laughs> yeah, standard. Standard stuff. Sure, uh, silly me. <laughs> okay, Lewis, you're on. I will make a note to, to watch an episode. We have another email here, and the email is titled Peter Fox, and it's from Jacob. Ooh. Or Jacob. Let's go with Jacob. Sounds more interesting. Jacob says, Hello, Dan and Simon. I just wanted to underscore Christian's music recommendation from the latest episode, Stadtafer by Peter Fox, is also one of my favourite albums. I have listened to it a lot over the past few years and have intuitively memorised much of the lyrics by now. It's hard to recommend his music to non-German speakers, though, because much of what makes the album so great is the cleverly constructed and incredibly rich lyrics. But the songs uh, also have great instrumentals with orchestral and percussive elements, so it might work for non-German speakers. If you want to give his music a try, I recommend recommend the songs House Am See which is about happily retiring in a house next to the lake and De Letzetag, which is a couple enjoying their last day before the apocalypse. God, God, blimey, cheery stuff. Letzte, sorry, De Letzetag. Oh yeah, Tag is in de- the last day, I guess, is that? I've got the um, the album up on Spotify and it's interesting, the whole album is actually greyed out. Oh. So obviously it's on Spotify, but there's like a legal issue. This, this seems to happen sometimes where like it's like spotify is like this exists we know it exists but we can't play it to you um but all of the um these there is not a single track on this album that has less than five million listens yeah so so um yakov goes on to say what is remarkable about about the career of peter fox which incidentally is just a fantastic name um Mm. is that he was incredibly successful successful with only one album oh while he's also a member of the music group seed Stud Tuffer remains his only studio album as a solo artist. Wow. I mean, I, I, I'm just looking through this, like, these 
these track numbers don't lie. Like, I mean, the most listened to track is actually not one that they've recommended. It's uh, the first track called Alice. N- oh God, I'm never sure how to pronounce that. Alice New. Alice Noy. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything's new, which has got 66 million plays. Wow. How Sam C has 48 or nearly 50 million, and uh, De Letze Targ has 15 million. Gosh. I'll have to try and track this down somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to have a listen to this after the podcast. Yeah, because, I mean, very naively, like, my experience of German music is either you know, Bach or Kraftwerk. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. it's one extreme or the other. I used to listen to a lot of, I think they're a German band. Their band is, it's N-E-U exclamation mark. So new. You got it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, funnily enough, actually, Pixel Girl went to a wedding um, the other week in Cologne and she came back and she'd never you know she had been to Germany before but she'd never learned the language or anything and she came back and she was buzzing she loved Cologne and was so she was immediately she does this to be fair whenever she visits anyway she was like looking into could we move there could we do like a year abroad there uh, uh and you know just just generally was so excited about the place mm. um so she I'm sure would I don't know maybe I'll, I'll pop this recommendation to over her see if it's on Apple Music um but yeah, because I mean, I, I I have to say I, I agree with her in that I whenever I visited Germany, I've had a fantastic time. It's it's a wonderful country. Really like the way I like the culture. I like the way that things are done. Mm. Um, it's very similar to the UK, to be fair. Um, it's in that everyone likes complaining about how the trains are. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, compared to, to to British trains, German trains are immaculate and always on time. <laughs> It's an amazing place. I, I want to go back to Germany. I haven't been in ages. Yeah, well, it sounds like we've got a little sample to listen to, yeah. so we can pretend that we're there. Absolutely. Um, Jakob closes by saying, thank you for all the entertaining non-content. Jakob, aged 0.23 Queen Elizabeths. Like it. P.S. Are we sure that Queen Elizabeth makes sense as a unit of time? She's still alive and still getting older, so as time progresses, the, uni- the unit gradually increases. Jakob, I need you to listen to me. <laughs> Nothing about this show makes sense no nothing absolutely it, it, of nothing. course it makes sense that the unit that we choose and have ultimate power over is a nonsensical unit no. pps i recently finished listening to the audiobook version of firmament hey. while i most likely won't remember much of the details i did find the explanations of scientific discovery over the centuries really interesting i do have a bigger appreciation for the atmospheric for atmospheric science now there we go that's what we want to hear that's an advert for firmament people amazing. didn't pay him to say that amazing and then jacob's just done a he said don't read this out, but he sent through his backs transfer details. So if you want to send him over that money for the, uh, for the recommendation, yeah, yeah, that'd be that. good. Send a tenner over now. Yeah, great. Oh, yeah. Thanks, mate. Well, Dan, what have we learned about today? Today, Simon, we learned about the plateau fence lizard. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't yeah, we? <laughs> a species of spiny lizard. Um, generally found in central Arizona, southwestern Utah, western Colorado, and the San Luis Valley. With keeled scale. Yeah. Up to 80 millimetres from snout to vent. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's on the box. That's, that's a little, little green, like, star, a word art star with that, like, text in red. <laughs> we also had a preliminary discussion about the tragic loss of the episode uh, that we actually recorded that was meant to be released a week ago, but we couldn't because my old laptop just decided to give up the ghost. Very sad. Very, very, sad, very sad. But hopefully this one will be fine. I'm hoping that when I actually stop recording and play this audio back, it's all going to be all right. Um, so if you're, I mean, well, if, if you're if you're reading this podcast right now, then it will have it been worked. fine. Thumbs up. But cross your fingers for me anyway. 
And um, you cheated by giving an entire concert's worth of material for your choral piece of the week, yeah, you know. uh, as is your right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ranted about, uh, sorry, no, I ranted uh, about property programmes on Channel 4. Marvellous. God, I'm middle class. Yeah, really when did this happen? Middle class, middle-aged. It's brilliant. Middle intelligence. Yeah. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Your favourite species of lizard, nondescript measurements of items in your immediate vicinity that <laughs> measure no what? more than 80 millimetres from snout to vent, and other thoughts on the I'm show. Just gonna, I, I'm just going to step in here. Damn, what the f***? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Your favourite species of spiny lizard, rankings on your favourite Marvel films and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And we'll we'll see see you you next time. time. I'm still thinking about how your clone was you. I'm just sorry, that's okay. The, okay. That right. line is just rattling around my head. I'm not going to include that in the uh, call to arms at the end of the podcast. Fergus, you know what to put at the end. <laughs> if you'd f- your clone, <laughs> other, another thoughts on the show. <laughs>